You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and this episode is hosted by Ryan. We are pleased to present to you this episode with a cartoonist, an animator, an illustrator, and a comic book creator. We welcome guest Tim Fielder. He is all of those things, and he hails from Tupelo, Mississippi, raised in Clarksdale, Mississippi. He has a lifelong love of visual Afrofuturism, pulp entertainment, and action films. He holds other Afrofuturists, such as Samuel R. Delaney, Octavia Butler, Pedro Bell, and Overton Lloyd as major influences. Tim has worked over the years in storyboarding, film, visual development, gaming, comics, and animation industries for clients such as Marvel, The Village Voice, TriStore Pictures, and more. He is here to talk about his latest graphic novel, Maddie's Rocket, and he will be appearing on a panel at San Diego Comic-Con coming up July the 20th through the 24th. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast with guest Tim Fielder. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and we're going to do my favorite thing for this episode, you guys. We're going to talk comics. And I just got one question. Are you guys ready to blast off? We're talking about Maddie's Rocket. If you haven't heard about this, we'll get ready to school you in this episode. You need to go check it out. I am here with the uh, with illustrator, concept designer, cartoonist, um, Tim Fielder, who is, the, who is the fabulous creator of Maddie's Rocket. You guys are going to love this. It's so cool. Tim, how you doing? Thanks for joining I'm me. I'm good. I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, you guys are awesome. BGN is the, is dope. Thank you. Well, we appreciate that. We appreciate that. We always we always want the comic book artists, the fellow nerds, to come and join us. So we really appreciate the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I said t- I want to go back for a little bit because I checked out a TED talk that you had on um on YouTube, and I was like, like the the answers was just flowing, and it was just right on the money. I was like, I got to ask him this question again because I like how you said you knew you were meant to be a cartoon a cartoon artist or a comic book artist. Uh, a lot of people don't, you know, necessarily know where they fit yet or know that they're meant to do something. So I was kind of curious if you could kind of talk a little bit about that um, and, you know, kind of getting into the field. Right. Well, I'll, I'll, it seems like there's like two parts to that question. So I was right. Yeah. The easiest part. OK. Uh, you know how it is when you know you're really only good at one thing. Mm-hmm. That was it. It's like math. You don't want me doing that. You don't want me flying a plane. You don't want me managing a nuclear reactor. We would all die. What I'm good at is telling stories uh, visually. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm good at. And there was a period where 
you know, I do a number of things proficiently in the visual arts. Uh, and so I've spent time in a number of those fields, animation, storyboarding, character concept design, but the one that I get the most smoke from is comics. Yeah. So that's, that's what I am. In terms of how I started, um, you know, I'm one of those guys, I'm, I'm sufficiently old enough to where, uh, I, you know, now you can do everything on the internet, but back mm -hmm. in the day, you had to literally go to the place where, you know, if you wanted to be in the film industry, you had to go to LA, right? If you yeah, wanted to be right. in the comic book industry, you had to go to New York City. So mm -hmm. I moved here, ooh, January 7th, 1987, back during oh, the Reagan yeah. administration. Yes, mm -hmm. I ran Contra. That was a long time ago. See, I like, but you're putting in the work though, putting in the hustle to, to, to get it done. Um, another thing too, I want to bring with you that I think this is so cool, this lane now and just getting into the graphic novels. And I love the, the representation that's coming out of it, but Af Afrofuturism in graphic novels, in comics, kind of um, what does that mean to you to kind of have that, you know, somewhat of that focus or somewhat of that genre in your comics? And um, well, let me just go with that part. No, I'll go with that part first and I'm going to ask you another one. Right. Well, you know, that's an interesting question because I was talking with one of my colleagues uh, recently and I was expressing to them that Afrofuturism, which has been around since, you know, Black people, you know, have existed. Right. But right. in terms of the, the practice of it within the graphic novel industry, we're only talking about something that's about three years old. Mm -hmm. Right. The first mainstream graphic novel. Uh, published by Big Five, a you know, big mainstream company. Right. I would say is probably Kindred uh, mm -hmm. from uh, Abrams. Uh, 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 but the first one, which is ironic, that was done with an original storyline where, you know, was my book, Infinita, back in uh, what early 2021. Mm. Uh, and so, I mean, it's not an adaptation, it's an original storyline. So, Right now, at this moment, with Maddie's Rocket, book one being reissued, which was kind of self-published, only made 600 copies back in the day, but now it's, you know, more official and it's out in this kind of new world. Mm -hmm. What it is, is that my job, if there's anything I would say about what it is that I do right now, is to make sure that I do my absolute best by putting out the best work I can towards building the Afrofuturist market. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, you remember back in the day when Pixar was making their early, early Toy Story movies and then yep, yep. DreamWorks had, it's like, that was so early. It's a very sensitive time now where Pixar and DreamWorks were building the 3D animation industry. Now you have, you know, you got a 3D animation movie every day coming out. Mm -hmm. But back then it was such a sensitive period because you didn't know if the market was going to be around. So that's that's kind of like where I feel we are now. Myself, the work I do, the work that Megascope does, we're pretty much all that's going right now on that large mainstream level. So um, it's an interesting time. I feel like a pioneer, but you know, what did they say? That, that the first one through the wall always gets busted up. So I'm yeah. feeling pretty oh, busted yeah. up. <laughs> well, listen, listen, I, you know, not to sound the wrong way, we, we're glad you're feeling pretty busted up because we're, lo I'm loving this. Like I'm loving Maddie's rocket. And my second part to that, what I think you kind of already 
answered it was, you know, being able to bust through that door. And what is the response you've gotten? Because I think this stuff is so amazing to show um, Black women, to show, you know, just Black characters in general with this, like, you know, inventive side or, you know, going to space, doing all this kind of stuff that you don't usually see these Black characters doing. Like, they always get the one-note storylines. So I, I think that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it has to be done. The work has to be done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I wish I could, I could tell, I could say that it was something, uh, well, you know, I was called down, you know, if I heard right, a voice right. in my head. No, it's the work has to be done. We right. have children, we, we have grandchildren. We, you know, we, we, we are, the work we're doing today is for people who are not even born yet. Mm. You know, and that's what I see, you know, I'm a black man, so that's problematic enough, you know, uh, uh, because, you know, every, uh, my theory of every man born in the United States is born a misogynist, you know what I mean? So we're living our lives having to, I'm serious, we're literally living our lives, if you're trying to even be remotely progressive, trying to unlearn so much stuff, because you're- Right, absolutely, yeah. You know, you, you come out of the womb. But, so- Doing Maddie's Rocket was an attempt to do a story that, in theory, could have been done in the 1930s and 40s, like Flash, Gordon, and Buck Rogers. But yeah, my mother, who's yeah. in her 80s, who's my mother, who's in her 80s, and my grandmother, and my godmother, and my wife, you know, that they could see, oh, this is what that strip would have looked like if it had come out. This is what it is. And so that's part of what it is. It's, uh, Maddie's Rocket is partly inspirational. It's action adventure. It obviously has those very heavy racial themes in it. But it also, I wanted something that was fun. You know? Right. And yeah, that absolutely. Was, that, was the, that was the idea with Maddie's Rocket. And, you know, and I love that kind of stuff. Like you said, that funness. Because it's like, just like you said, in general, being Black in America, there's going to be some obstacle you're coming up against. And just some days you just want to escape. You want to be able to jump into something that gives you hope, gives you inspiration for something else. And I feel like Maddie's Rocket does that. So can you tell us about how you came up with like the beginning of Maddie Dolores Waddy? Like, how do we get how do we get Maddie? Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, Okay, so. you know, my mother raised me along with my father, and she's very important to my life. But there was another woman who I met in my 20s, and her name was Myrna Dolores Bain. Okay. She was, she was a gay woman mm-hmm. who effectively took me under her wings and, 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 and taught me so much about what it is to be a man. Mm-hmm. And so beyond just wanting to do this character that was heavily influenced by my mother, my grandmother, my godmother, uh, the name was I wanted to do, I wanted to pay homage to Myrna and for everything she did. Because yeah. you know what it is when, you, you know, you're a writer, when you create things, they become recorded. They become archives. Yeah. Right. They become archives. Right. And those archives can be accessed hundreds of years, thousands of years in the future. So effectively me doing this work is immortalizing those women. So Maddie Wadi is named after my great grandmother, who was my father's grandmother, right? He only met her one time. And I said, I'm going to name this character after my great grandmother. Uh, And so that's what it is. That's how it's what I tell my students sometimes when I'm teaching concept and character design is how do you how do you 
embed familiarity in, in your work, right? How do you attract the audience? You attract the audience by engaging sentimentality. Mm. And sentimentality is the feeling. It, you know, when they say, well, you know, it's got lots of heart. Yeah. What they mean is that it has meaning. It has good meaning. And that's what I tried desperately, really, to use that word. I don't want to overplay it, but, you know, sometimes you got to call it what it is. That's what I tried to do with Maddie's Rocket is to to employ uh, uh, homage and sentimentality. Yeah, you know, and speaking of that sentimentality, like, okay, so we start out, right, and I won't give them too much because I want them to dive into this if they haven't checked it out. Um, mm-hmm. We start out in Manhattan in 1968. Mm-hmm. And she's getting ready to tell her story. And I'm like, so you're, you're curious, right? You have this, you have this, um, you know, she has the, the gray hair, you know, mm-hmm. this very, this very tough, like she has like, she has some wisdom to share to the world sitting down in front of this white guy, like, okay, look, I'm going to tell my story. And she's like correcting him on his name and everything like that. And you just don't see where this is going. And I love the way you play between the layout of you had you go back to when she's in that moment telling the story and then bringing in like her parents or her family and, you know, the Jim Crow era. Was that was that something that was difficult to kind of to kind of do that flash forward within the pages? Is that something you knew you wanted to do from the beginning? Yes, it is. I actually, believe it or not, created the concept for Maddie's Rocket back in the 1990s. Uh, and at the time it was called, believe it or not, If God Was a Woman. Uh, oh, and wow. I developed, okay. yes, yes, I developed that concept uh, for, I was trying to push it to Vertigo Comics, but unfortunately, you know, the industry was going through tremendous yeah, change yeah. at that time. But when I resurrected the idea in 2009, I brought it back as an animation, did it for about two, three, four years as animation, badly done animation. But uh, eventually brought it back into the comics medium. And part of me doing that, uh, I would say the motivation, and I hope I'm I'm not going to screw up my answer here, is I wanted to make sure that the work that I was doing would somehow uh, connect with readers, Mm. uh, but do it in such a way where this is going to sound weird. You know how you want to put, what did they say? Plant your flag? Yeah. That's what this was. That's what this was. This was about planting my flag, engaging in that world building, right? So when you're reading the story, you're not totally sure what's going on, Mm -hmm. but, but you're like, oh, wow, this is 1968, right? But 1968 didn't have floating vehicles. <laughs> you know, it didn't have <laughs> Seriously, that. Seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? How is this what's happening? So what it is, is uh, part of being an Afrofuturist, uh, which some people get it confused at times, is you're not just looking backwards. You're also not looking forward. What you're okay, doing is you're doing all of that at the same time. Mm-hmm. So what Maddie's Rocket is, and this, I've never told anyone this, so I'm telling you, so you got the scoop. Oh, yeah, exclusive. The reason why I started in 1968 was because so many things happened that year. You know, Martin Luther King died. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, it was like the penultimate moment of the uh, African-American civil rights movement. And I said it just a quick aside. So my other graphic novel, Infinitum, is more diasporic. It's about okay, okay. the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, it starts in Africa. It goes all over the world. Maddie's Rocket, that's specific an African-American tale. 
So what I wanted to do as an Afrofuturist, since so much of our past has been erased, burned down, uh, you know, disappeared, I wanted to do an idealized civil rights movement. Mm, Meaning yeah. that you saw this black woman who at this point is in her, you know, late 60s, early 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Be successful as a businesswoman with an intergalactic transport company, but in the late 1960s. Yeah, so that, it's so, so cool. I wanted to show that, that like, wow, what if you had a woman, she looked like Lena Horn, mm-hmm. right? But she was like Cicely Tyson. You remember that movie, uh, 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 the uh, biography or autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do that, but with spaceships and this sister who was not just kicked butt, but who was very smart, but she yep. did not lose her Southern roots. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted. Yeah, and she was always going to find a way to work the system. When you talk about racism, there's a pivotal moment in there where, you know, the racism is at an all-time high, what they dealt with in the Jim Crow era, what they dealt with in the 60s. And instead of that moment getting super dark, because we always hear that story, and it's like, you don't want to forget your past, you want people to remember, but you also want that glimmer of hope, you know, that, you know, you want to see, you know, somebody done something in a sense, right? Like that fight. So I thought it was so cool that you were like, oh, well, let me just go ahead and add some 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 uh, space, some uh, some aliens and things to this. And I thought that was I thought that was such a cool twist and pull us out of, you know, that we know what went on in that era. We know, you know, about the Ku Klux Klan. We know about the racism that was going on in that area. But to have a moment where we could be pulled out and go on like a, a whole other adventure. Let me let me speak to that. Yeah. Um, Infinitum is for adults. That's who it's for. Infinitum is for adults. If you are grown man, grown woman, that's for you. It's hardcore. Maddie's mm-hmm. Rocket. Maddie's Rocket conveniently sits in YA, but it can be read by anybody. Yeah. But the thing I wanted to do, and I never lost sight of this fact, is that uh, in African-American culture, world culture generally, but in African-American culture, our uh, the core, the center, the foundations of our families are generally black women. Mm-hmm. Black women are the ones who are around who bring in the culture. They're the ones around they food. They, you know, th- th- you know, some things are pre, you know, preconceived notions of of roles, but they did those things. So, you know, my great grandmother was the one who worked in the white guy's house, wiping the, the white guy's kids' butts, but she did that so that she could make sure that her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren had shoes and also she could pay that tuition to go to college. Exactly, yep. You see what I'm saying? So it was always, okay, My I would rather my grandmother not have done that work, but she did that because she had aspiration. And yep. what I wanted to do with Maddie's Rock was to create something that was in the best traditions of African-Americans and specifically African-American women do something that was aspirational. That's what I wanted to do. It's definitely aspirational. Like you guys, and I, I'm pivoting away from it because I don't, I want you guys to like dive into it the way I got to dive into it um, because it's like, and just like visually is stunning as well. Just Thank to be you. able to see her features and, you know, cause sometimes you can have black characters and, and stuff and maybe it's a little too dark on the shading and, and things aren't properly positioned, but it's, it's so cool. It's, uh, you know, it's literally, you're looking at a movie on a page because it jumps so well in between and it's not confusing. 
Wow. I, I, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, well, thank God we're doing this on audio. I'm turning beat red here. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Cause yeah, I really enjoyed this. Like, it's amazing. Like you yeah. want to see this representation like this and, um, but yeah, so yeah, I need to pivot away. Cause I want you guys, I don't want to take the whole storyline and I want you guys to go check it no, out. No, 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 no. Um, I understand, but let me say this about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Whatever you want to say, look, I'll let Tim do it. Cause he's the mastermind, no, no, but no. I don't want to, I don't want to take away from it. <laughs> let me say this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We look good. Yeah, we black thank people you. Are beautiful. Why can't thank we? Look good? Yeah. Why can't we not just look good in terms of how and and you know we come in all shapes and sizes. Thank big, you. Yes. Yeah. But why? We, the one thing about us is whatever we're doing, we always bring a level of elegance to it. And I wanted to show that in Maddie's Rocket, but I also. You know, uh, uh, I, I come from a family of filmmakers. So one of the things I, you know, doing comics is like doing a film, at least the way that I do them, mm -hmm. where every frame I wanted to be like a film. Yeah. So I decided each frame would be as if it were a steal from a film. Right. Yeah. That's why, in fact, the version that you're reading, you know, that mm -hmm. you read is actually started out as an animation. And I could have gotten rid of all those things, like the silent film dialogue to make it look yeah. like a solid movie. But I decided, you know what? I'm going to accept those things as they are because those films featuring those type of characters, Black characters in the Jim Crow era with Spaceship, that was never done. Yep. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it through Maddie's Rock. I, I love it. Like I'm, I'm just like, I'm scrolling right now. You guys like, like, you know, like Tim saying this, we have to come back, have to come back and do like visual or whatever. Cause these, these images are amazing. Like there's a part where we zoom in on Maddie's face. She's wearing the goggles, get, you know, getting ready to take off, do her, her whole, uh, her old space, a space woman thing, spaceship thing. is so cool. Like just the features that are, that are highlighted, um, that don't always show like how beautiful we are. And these images do like, you feel like, Oh, look, that's my grandma, my auntie on the page and it looks so cool and it's not like you know oh well now why did he shade it in like that so i i, I love that kind of stuff this is so cool um let me say but tell go ahead go ahead tell. it's your grandmama and your auntie on a hover bike wearing yeah it is yes that's for you yeah mm -hmm. I love, yeah it was I definitely for me because i i love this you guys have to check yeah. i mean because you don't see that like what where would we think our grandparents our aunties will be doing this and right. it's it's revolutionary. It's changing the game. And this character just would not stop. And I just feel like that's, you know, that's how much so much of our families are, how we have to do, you know, in America as people of color, as black people, you you have to have that, like, no matter what, I'm gonna get this done. Because it's always exactly. going to be some kind of block or something that's coming up that's going to try to stop it. So, yeah, I, I love what the symbolizes and the motivation it gives. Um, so, Tim, where can we where can they get a hold of a copy of Maddie's Rocket? Um, often also Infinite Item. I want to check that one out. How can they get a copy of that one, too? All right. Uh, so I will start it. You know, it's it's such a weird time we in because technology has so advanced everything it used to be, you know. I remember my first book that I self-published back in 1994 called Death Comes in Force. And we had to strip uh, film and all this stuff because oh, everything wow, was yeah. very much a chemical process. But now everything is digital, mm -hmm. but it's not just digital in the sense of manufacturing. Now everything is distribute, di distributed digitally. Yeah. So because of that and the advances that have happened really over the last five years, you can find Maddie's Rocket anywhere. 
Oh, Literally, I love that. You can go on Amazon and buy it. You, can, you yep. can go on Barnes and Nobles. You can even go on Walmart and order Maddie's Rocket online. And that's because it's all done through Ingram. And Ingram is the largest distributor of independent books on earth. And mm-hmm. they print all over the planet and distribute all over the planet. So uh, I would tell folks, uh, go to dieselfunk.com. And you can go and check out all of the elements there for my company. Uh, and you will find links for both Maddie's Rocket and Infinitum. Yeah, and I love that. And we kind of touched on this a little bit too, but this is going to be my my uh, my question to kind of wrap things up. And if you want to kind of add to like what you guys got coming next, but I was going to talk about Diesel Funk Studios because I love it when you have an artist that's creative like yourself, but you also have a lot going on behind the scenes to keep this going because we know it takes two sides to keep our visions going and keep our message out there. So can you talk a little bit about like Diesel Funk's message, starting that up, why you wanted to start that? And then, you know, if you want to, if you want to kind of give us some little teases on what you got coming up next, because we know you don't sit still for too long. Uh, Yeah. What I'll do is I'll start off with what I do for your question about Diesel Funk Studios, and then I'll go to what we have uh, coming next. Gotcha. Um, Okay. So, so I'm going to, this is cheating. This is cheating. So Jamie Broadnax created Black Girl Nerd. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what she did was she had the genesis for an idea. Yep. And she constantly built on top of it. You know, you had missteps, things that happened. You always doing course corrections because that's part of running a business. Right. Yes. But what you're doing is you are building legacy. Mm, yeah. You're building legacy. So when I started Diesel Funk Studios, I wanted to make sure that I always had a system set up to get out the work I wanted to do, whether regardless of whether or not a traditional publisher would take it or not, I would do it. And so I created Diesel Funk Studios uh, back in 2014. We came out with Maddie's Rocket in January of 2015. We premiered at the 2015 Schomburg Black Comic Book Festival. uh, Nice. uh, you know, that what a year later I was doing TED Talk. So that thing, doing that action of backing me, backing myself, what it ended up doing was giving me the ability to go back and expand my legacy moving forward. But what it's also done is allowed me to take so much of the unpublished work that I've done in the past and now bring that to light through my show, uh, Black Metropolis, my gallery show, because they just had the Carnegie Hall Afrofuturism Festival uh, in February, March of this year, well, February through April. And so Diesel Funk was a official festival partner. So it's so fulfilling for me to know that I'm doing something that's not only connected with readers, but it's also uh, adhering to that legacy thing. So it's taking like what, what you guys are doing. It's creating a safe space for me ultimately for readers like yourself and that's what that is i love Uh, that yeah so so is that now with regards to what's coming next Mm -hmm. i'm now feverishly working on maddie's rocket book two and three at the same time yeah Um, i was wondering about that i was going i was like come on now i gotta be a part two to this i gotta know yeah I, I intend to, I'll, I, I will be at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con uh, on at least two panels. Uh, one of them for sure is with Jeff Smith, creator of Bone. 
or we'll be mm-hmm. in conversation and I will be showing images from Maddie's Rocket Book 2 during that show. I'll be showing a few images, show work in progress. Um, also, I am uh, uh, hopefully going to be able to finish as we're working out. I'm working on an adaptation of Samuel R. Delaney's seminal Afrofuturist novel called Nova. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and that is one that's very important to me uh, uh, personally because I'm in my mid fifties now. And I first started trying to adapt Nova when I was 19. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> hey, it's it's stuck with you. So you got to put this, you got to put the story out. It's stuck with you now. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying. So uh, that's what it is. And the other thing I'm working on is I'm working on my first middle grade book, uh, which is called brother Robo. Uh, and just to give you a quick description of brother Robo, take, uh, a huge dollop of black girl joy, black boy joy, and throw in some giant robots, and you got brother robot. <laughs> see, see, I, like I was telling y'all, Tim is not busy at all. See what I'm saying? I'm not busy. I'm, I'm, I'm really, 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 really. I'm a procrastinator, but I, you know, what I'm joking. Obviously, I'm, I'm way too busy. I need to get some sleep. In fact. Oh yeah, yeah. You guys need to check out his website. He, this guy is way too busy. I'm like, you saw he listed off like. I mean, I don't even know how long it's gonna take to write, but I'm ready to read it. Because he's, he's listening on projects like all day. So, yeah, as you guys can see, he's very busy and constantly bringing you content. So make sure you definitely go check out uh, Diesel Funk Studios uh, website so you can get all of the projects, see what he's up to next. Um, but, Tim, I'm going to seek one last thing in before we wrap it up. I saw that Absolutely. you are an action film fan. What's your favorite action uh, film? Oh, wow. Uh that is not fair. That question is totally. Unfair. I know because I'm an action film fan too. So I so I know that I knew can I knew I it was unfair. But I was going to say, can I say my top? Yeah, three? and yeah, yeah. Do top three. Do top three. I mean, obviously, you got to put Die Hard on there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I love Die Hard. I'm a huge fan of Bullet. You remember Steve McQueen with that with yep. the Mustang? That's that's a, a seminal seminal action film. So Die Hard. Uh, um, uh, 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 Bullet, mm-hmm. and I would have to say this is gonna sound weird. You remember this movie called "To Live and Die in L.A." I heard about it, but I don't think I ever seen it. I think I heard about that, and I was wondering, like, William, what is I this? think it was. Uh, I think it was. Was it William Freakin? It was. I don't think it was. Uh, no, no, John Frankenheimer did Ronan. I think this is William Freakin, right? Okay. And it is this crazy action film from the eighties that basically. It it it's 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 a brilliant film and stuff, wow. uh, and it yeah, has a lot of twists. So definitely, definitely, if you ever get a chance to check it out, just don't let anybody throw any spoilers when you see it. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'll stay away from spoilers on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim. I appreciate you. it's been so much fun talking to you. You got to come back, you know, because I know you got projects coming down the line, and we want to hear about them. I want to hear about you know book two for Maddie and book three. So please definitely come back. Absolutely. And I just want to say this last thing. Yes. Uh, two things. One, please, audience, go out buy my book because I'm trying yep. to do my thing. Buy it, buy it, buy it. And finally, Black Girl Nerds, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Well, you're awesome, and I appreciate you talking with us. And you guys, buy it, buy it, buy it. Like Tim said. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.